guys, welcome to Cold Film Review, the podcast where we explore the films you love, but no one else gets, and see if they still hold up. This week, we are talking about Assault on Precinct 13, so let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. All right. So we are here to talk about Assault on Precinct 13. I am your host, Cody Everett. With me, as always, I got Kyle Smith, I got Chris Willenbrecht, and I got Michael Salusio. But what I want to do before we get into this is I want to say, if, you, if you're downloading our show, I appreciate it, number one. But just do one one quick, simple, easy thing. It's going to make your life simpler. You're not going to have to go look for the show every Thursday. Just hit subscribe. Do it right now. And then you don't have to worry about it. It just automatically shows up for free on your iTunes feed, right now. Google Play, whatever. It downloads automatically. You don't have to worry about it. Because we're on Google Play now. We're on Google Play now. So, so do it right now. We're watching it out. We're waiting right <laughs> yeah, now. We'll wait. We'll yeah. wait. We'll wait for you guys. All right. That's enough time. I I feel oh, like we was, got one. We got yeah. one. I saw it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was an uh, ample <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> so we're talking about Assault on Precinct 13. This is Kyle's pick. Yes, it is. Kyle, this movie came out when? 1976? 1976. What was it? 100K was the... 100K. For the budget? It's cheap. Dude, that's... That is an incredibly cheap movie. That is incredibly cheap. Can we just talk about that? that? What they got out of this? Good we, for we him. can get to that. We can get to that real oh, quick. Oh, we will. I want to know um, what this movie's about and then why you picked it, Kyle. Oh, and you want me to read the premise? I want you to tell me the premise. You know, if you want to read it from somewhere, go ahead. I'll, 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 I'm going to read it. I'm going to give you the back of the box. The back of the box premise. Okay. Cops, secretaries, and prisoners stuck in a soon-to-be shuttered L.A. police station fight off a horde of murderous gang members in director John Carpenter's homage to Howard Hawks' film, Rio Bravo. Why'd you pick this John Carpenter film? Well, it's in line with, I mean, I've been the one picking all of John Carpenter's. Eventually, we're going to do every single one of them, and I feel like I'm the one who's picking them all. But I wanted to do this one because I uh, haven't seen this film in, all, in quite a while. I haven't seen it. Nearly as much as I've seen like his other films from like later in the eighties and like during that kind of heyday of his work, so I wanted to revisit it, and I thought it was really important also to just take a look at like you know his first major film and and, and what he did in this film and how it established him as a director, writer, a fucking editor, a musician, all that shit. So I thought that'd be be fun. So if you're not familiar with John Carpenter's work, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, first of all, number yeah. one, get on that. Call him JC here. That's my personal <laughs> Jesus. Um, he's done Halloween, The Fog, uh, Christine, They Live, Big Trouble in Little China, and probably his best work, Ghost of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> not Village of the Damned. They, no. They didn't make the cut. Didn't make the no. cut. What? Yeah, let's not talk about The Thing. <laughs> or The Thing. Did oh, he even yeah. do that film? <laughs> I don't even know if he did that film. What and is it, that? I've never even heard of that. Anyways, I've never heard he's of it. done pretty much <laughs> all your favorite movies. Um, so if you don't know. So this, wasn't this supposed to be... I read somewhere this was supposed to be an exploitation film, but it's based off a of Western? Yeah, it's based off of the, the movie Rio Bravo, um, which stars John Wayne, um, where basically John Wayne's a, a sheriff, and um, he has a prisoner, and his prisoner, this prisoner's brother says he's going to do anything he possibly can to break him out, and then John Wayne says, fuck you, you're not, you're not getting your brother, and then basically it's like a giant standoff, and 
a siege, basically. So um, John Carpenter is a huge fan of that movie. He's a huge fan of like uh, also Night uh, Night of Living Dead. So there's a lot of those elements in it. But um, yeah, especially the second half of the film. Oh yeah. There's definitely the that's when it turns into Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, but Night of the Living Dead, 1976. Yeah, where it's more I think focused on the action. So Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's more focused on the action rather than the character development. Definitely the second half of the film, I feel like the character development. I agree with you 100 percent on that. You don't think the characters were developed enough up to that point? Yeah, but you don't think the first half of the film he spent the time kind of establishing them who they were. Yeah, but then it then it goes straight into this onslaught. Well, yeah, that's it, that's how you know the what, movie you know progresses. What, you know what this movie kind of reminds me of a little bit is a uh, tower defense game. Ghost to Mars. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, you know when you play on your iPhone. The movie Rio like, Bravo, maybe. <laughs> but no, it is. But except except this one has like for instance the the gang doesn't really they're not given any kind of. No, they're not humanized in any way. Yeah, in any way. No. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. just a... And and there seems to be an an infinite amount of them. Yes. Like, it's just four at first. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it turns into, like, 30. And then always 30. (laughs) Yeah. It's always 30 people attacking at any given time. There's another movie that does this in his his work to relate it back to how does this relate to his other work. Halloween. No, Ghost of Mars. Okay. (laughs) No, for real. I know, I know. I'm just joking. joking, We're joking. We're joking. We're we're laughing just because it's Ghost of Mars. But it did have a... I will say, not not to to go off the joke, um, it does have a Halloween feel because it is like an ever-present like unstoppable force that is always kind of attacking. You mean a Halloween 3 feel? Because this movie feels like Halloween three. H2O feel. Well, no. <laughs> no, I see where you're coming from yeah. because I mean that's the whole that that's kind of like the whole idea of Michael Myers is he's just this kind of this 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 entity. This, yeah. This this way he doesn't have a face. He's just the shape. He's just this unstoppable thing. And yeah, that's a that's exactly what's happening in this film. And even John Carpenter has said that like these two films like just kind of he was really in his early years he was really obsessed with the idea of not knowing or really needing to know why they're doing this because he thought that was far more terrifying Mm -hmm. than i mean as he goes on obviously his films get more complex and he starts yeah i think he specifically said when you get into the hollywood system they're not as exciting uh, excited about the idea of not knowing why somebody's doing something they want to know everything they want to know every single facet you know so so that's why those these two films have that kind of share that that feel that tone. Where do you think this falls in line as far as his film, I guess, legacy, or how it, it contributed to maybe his film legacy? I that's... personally think it set everything up. I mean, this was one of his earliest films, other than Dark Star, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so much of what's in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, you will find exact similarities or almost exact like similarities in 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 his catalog. From then on, I think. Yeah. The way it's shot, the way it's lit, the mood he creates, the suspense, the type of suspense that he creates, it all carries on. Like, e- even in this film, um, I you know, I was I was really captured by the suspenseful moments. And one of them particularly was they do a couple shots where the guy's got his his finger on the trigger and they're driving by in the car. The gang's driving by in the car and they're aiming at people just on the side of the road, and you see his finger 
getting closer and closer to squeezing the trigger, but he never actually does. Mm-hmm. And just that whole buildup was intense for such a simple idea. They do a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I they like- do that with uh, uh, what's his name, um, Tony. What's Wells? Wells. Wells is doing that when he's holding the gun to the girl. Oh, right. And yeah. And he's like, he has just for a second. You see the you see the hammer go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You see it kind of. You see and the then chamber. it kind of goes back, and then she's just like, it's not even fucking loaded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was already shot once today. Well, I was pretty, plan on getting is shot. Is he not again. known as the master of suspense? Isn't that his? I mean, yeah, title? yeah. So, yeah. And, and, master and horror. Goddamn, right. do you do you see it in this film? That's one thing that I, I I really appreciate about this film is the ability to build suspense in an action film. Essentially, I yeah. like that. I, I I like that. Going back to that. Scene, where uh, he spends so much time building the suspense when they're driving the gang's driving around and, and like with his finger on the trigger and like you're looking through the scope at all the people he's aiming the gun at and then when he finally does pull the trigger it's a little girl and it's almost like he doesn't even think about it he doesn't even look he just aims his side and crack 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 done and there's like no suspense it just happens that was super shocking that was, that, it was that, that, that it was whole done scene well. was I mean it was it was traumatizing the build the best way to yeah, put it the build I didn't I had seen this film before, but I just like for some reason I didn't remember this part of it. How? And when it happened again, because <laughs> I, I because I was a fucking kid when I saw it. Yeah, okay. I agree. And it doesn't I have the same effect either. as really? when you're an adult and you see a kid get. Hadn't shot. seen this movie since I was young. Yeah, it's had the same effect on me as it had then. Really, the really? same. Really, yeah. Like, oh my god, they shot one of me. Yeah. yeah. Oh my no. Like, oh my god, they shot a, ch- a child in a movie. Yeah, you don't see that in the chest. Like, yeah. Point uh, blank maybe, maybe I was I wasn't at that point. My my, You're, my you were a jaded my child. Film life, yeah. <laughs> well, as a child, I was just kind of like I'd seen The Exorcist by this point. You don't so shoot dogs. Like, you don't shoot children. Yeah, this no, scene, that's definitely this true. scene was supposed to give this film an, an X rating, right? Oh, yeah, and then it they kind of tricked him into getting an R rating on the film. Yeah, yeah, which was I, I read that too. I read that that was a normal practice in the. Uh, for exploitation films, is that you would the uh, the cut that you sent to the MPAA, you would just cut out the really insane scenes of violence or or sex or anything like that. They would review it, give you an R rated and rating, and then you would just distribute out your version that <laughs> has all that shit original. in it. That's awesome. Did they do that with this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. John oh, Carpenter, okay. the, the producer, told him he's like, "Oh, just cut that scene out and send it back to him, and then we'll just release your version." <laughs> I wonder. No if that's way. Still, do you think that still works? You can't do probably that not. No. You can't do that anymore. No, because now everybody's got unrated director's cut. Yeah, right. You can that's release true. not rated films into the marketplace easily, but yeah. not oh, into yeah. theaters. Mm, yes, you can. You, but yeah. you, you not through a studio. Well, I guess that I guess the reason why it wouldn't happen now is because the X rating doesn't really. They don't use it. No, the X rating is. I, do they don't use. Yeah. They don't even use no. NC seventeen that much no. anymore. So no. mostly unrated or not rated. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And this one was rated R. It certainly, it certainly was. was. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, some personal experiences. Maybe you've had with this film, where you first saw it, what your first feelings were, what your feelings were this time. Maybe did they change? Well, I know when I went to a police station one time, we were assaulted by a bunch of gangs, and I had to fight them off. By myself. So you okay. got like flashbacks watching this, huh? <laughs> I had a little BTSD action, yeah, going BTSD. on. BTSD. <laughs> a little yeah. bit of BDSM action. Did I not mention? That's why you were at the police station. Yeah. Did I not mention they tied me up and had sex with the me? The police station is actually a bar downtown. Where'd you first well, see Well, the it? basement. Where'd you first see it, Kyle? Um, I can't honestly remember, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm sure I rented it from the video store. Um, but it definitely, I know for a fact it came long after, um, I saw a bulk of almost all of it. It was like, this is one of the last films of his I saw. Now that was like 15 years ago. So it's not like I just discovered this, but 
for some reason I just I saw all of his other films before it just by happenstance by my parents owning stuff or my brother. I feel like that was kind of me too. Uh, you know how I found out about this movie mm. was through the uh, d- from Dust Till Dawn uh, box set. How? Yeah, yeah. What? So, so uh, I love um, uh, Rodriguez's commentary, and he puts a lot of good stuff, special features on his DVDs. Yeah, that's like a, that's like a film school. Almost. Yeah, it's, and, it's fantastic. And his stuff came out. This was when I was uh, like right after high school. They released the first three on DVD in a box set. But they were talking about that movie, and in that movie, uh, one of the characters is wearing a Precinct 13 shirt. Mm-hmm. And that's because I think Quentin Tarantino is a huge fan of this movie. Nice. I, I uh, believe if, that. If I'm not mistaken, I could be telling the story wrong. It's been a long time since I've seen yeah. a special feature. But that's but Dust Till Dawn's what basically told you about this. Yeah, but that, I was like, okay, so that influenced him. I was really into like Tarantino at the time. So now I got to get my hands on this movie, you know, and um, it's got I like I knew who John Carpenter was, you know what I mean, and I knew I know his films, but I didn't know him like I know him now. Hmm. As my own, you weren't personal like BFFs Jace. like you are yeah. now. But as my own personal JC, you know, <laughs> like like I know him now. That's funny. Now that I think about, it, I think I saw vampires before I saw. <laughs> I saw <laughs> va- I saw vampires before I saw this. Yeah, dude, I saw I saw all of his films we, before. I, this. I forget that you guys are like '90s kids. Like I'm an '80s kid, so. So you you remember watching this in theaters, huh? No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, that would be absurd. But no, I definitely remember. <laughs> you remember when PlayStations were invented? <laughs> I re- I remember when it was touch dial. I remember I remember the time when people were like, I think the phone lines are hacked, and I was like, Yeah, that's a serious problem. <laughs> like somebody cut the phone lines. That's a serious issue. Um, no, I remember. Se- it's one of those films. The thing was one of these films too, where I saw it very early on, you know, and I didn't I didn't know who the fuck John Carpenter was. I was a kid. I didn't know anything. And then years later, I was just like, Oh, that film that you liked when you were like eight, like that was the from this guy. That also directed, you know, Ghost of Mars. See, yeah. I had it so I had it I had it yeah. so lucky having an older brother that was like, you I didn't just, have to do I, too much digging. I didn't. He he fucking he worked in a video store. And it was just like it was like okay, what else you got now? We'll watch this. We'll watch this. Today. Well, yeah, you had you had that teacher. I didn't have any. My parents were like like not. My mom was into yeah. horror, but she couldn't tell you who directed what from what. Yeah. Um. My my father wasn't a big film fan. My brother was a huge action fan. I could tell you like. Which Arnold films? <laughs> he loved fucking, you know, uh, uh, First Blood and shit. But I didn't know like <laughs> half of these things that I loved. The one that stuff that made an impression on me. Like I didn't know that fucking John Carpenter did Big Trouble in Little China for the longest time. I just knew that I fucking loved that film and it was on VHS just, and I watched it exactly until the fucking died. reels ran out. I like I didn't inside. know who yeah. it was. Yeah, Dude, I mean, me too. My mom only watched movies that were in black and white or set in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> like that's good, what I. Good thing you got on. your time in the video store because you needed it. Yeah, that was my awakening. <laughs> I feel like I knew about uh, John Carpenter since I was younger because I was so intrigued by horror, and Halloween was always hailed as this you know masterpiece of horror, and it was always you know John Carpenter's Halloween. So well, I yeah. was very aware of that there was this director out there, but. Assault on Precinct 13, I probably didn't see this movie. I probably did see it a bits of it when I was young and then didn't actually sit down and digest it until I was 23, something like that. What do you think of it? The first, like, the first time I saw it, I just remember thinking, like, this is awesome because they're just blowing away people. Like, that's the first connection I remember having with this movie was like, for, well, first it was shooting the little girl. I was like, oh my God, they went that far. 
Because you don't like see I said, that. I, did, I didn't even remember that until I saw it again. Oh, I mean, I did. I, I remembered it because I was like, oh, my God, you just don't see that. Like, they went that far, and this is from the 70s? Like, that was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other Little thing. Little did you know. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, I the, the well, the other thing, I, I just remember the violence, I guess, is the real yeah. thing that stuck out to me from when I was younger. And that's what I really, like, liked about it. I was like, and that's what I thought in my head. I was like, oh, that's what these directors like about it was, like, the violence. very violent. And that's what they liked about it. But I don't think that was it but at all. But you know, you think about it. Yeah. Now, I mean, going back my, to that, my view has changed as I've gotten older. Is what to I'm that saying. scene, like it's not very violent. Which, Which one? one? The, uh, the whole movie. As far as yeah, well, because they can't. You afford don't it. see a lot of like <laughs> no, no, it's exactly. Not, it's you not did, violent on screen, but it's violent. It's it's, vi- it's violent in uh, context. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that because there there was a right at the beginning of the scene where they showed the uh, cops gunning down the uh, gang members going down that like fatal funnel thing. Yeah. That is just. The frame reversed. It's the same guy shooting down, and mm-hmm. then they reverse the frame and they shoot down from the other angle. Oh, yeah. right? Which doesn't make any goddamn sense, actually. If you look at that hallway, there's only a window on the left side. So what's the guy? On They're, the on right the side? They're on the roof. They're on the roof. Right, right. They're on the roof. Yeah, but if there's a guy aiming at the right down at a hallway that only has a window on the left side, it doesn't make any sense. See? But I understand it from a context. What I'm saying is, <laughs> no, that- this is a this is a podcast, not a visual <laughs> thing, Kyle. <laughs> What, what I'm saying is that I understand it from the context of trying to uh, uh, create a uh, an image where it feels like you're trapped. Because you take you take the frame, you flip it around, and it does look like two people are shooting from two different angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that they're being they're being assaulted. On precinct third. <laughs> I was waiting for it. That's very funny. <laughs> there are there there's a part of me it, it had a psycho effect. You know what I mean? Where they didn't show any blood, they didn't really. Show, I mean, there was. Well, that's blood, a sign of that's a that, that's a sign of great filmmaking. No, and, it's and a, low budget filmmaking. Yeah, but but using cinematography to uh, elicit a, an impression versus showing a gratuitous attack. You know, like he, the go on. He does this in Halloween. Yeah, I mean, Halloween barely has any blood in it. Right, and, you but don't that's need not that. what. Yeah, that's not what he's really trying. What he's really after is the gore factor. Right. Although you know he does use it when it's important. Again, shooting the little girl when you see that blood splat up. Yeah, but you know her, what? I'll be it's honest. Not with, that much, it, but it, it it doesn't, and it also looks like a paint gun. It kind of does. Is. It doesn't no, look I, I'm real. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it is because squibs are expensive. They're just shooting people <laughs> with paint guns. No, no, I'm pretty no, sure. They, that, I, I'm not. I'm not challenging you. Well, what I am saying is that it it was effective regardless. <laughs> yeah. It was incredibly effective. I, but I think that has everything to do with the, again, going back to the suspense that he built, you know, because you, you in your mind, saw it coming. The even little the, girl getting shot? Yeah, you saw it. All com- the violence like, in you, general. You see it coming, and, and your mind has already played out that scenario almost to, like, instinctually protect you from it. Like, this it. is the worst case scenario, and then And the happens. worst case scenario happens right when you think it's not going to happen. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. he, he just lets you take your guard down for a second, and then it's boom, he shoots her. But it's not gory. It's just shocking, which I think he uses very effectively in this film. Even, um, uh, what, one thing I wanted to talk about was how re- relentless... That that main shootout scene is the very first one where they just start opening fire on uh, every yeah. single angle in that place, and it just keeps going, and mm-hmm. it just keeps going. Like he does, he just gives it to you until you're almost like, "Holy Christ, how much ammo do these guys have out here?" Where did you uh, see that before? Where was that that influenced in maybe another John Carpenter film? Oh, the fight where scene. Where did it come? The fight scene. The fight scene. I thought yeah, I wrote exactly. that down from the fight They Live. Scene, they Live. I agree. Mm-hmm. You, you do see, yeah. Because that does go on for even when you That's think not from Christine. No, <laughs> just joking. Even joking. like even when you think that because you're exactly correct. Because even when you think that scene is over, there's one last boom and the paper flies up. 
Mm-hmm. One last one, yep. like there's a beat where it's like, okay, everything's good. Calm. And then one last one goes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Because he does. Yeah. He does like to do that in a lot of his films. He does like to take like it's one It's fantastic, though. It helps create it that, create that great mood of just being trapped. I like, think a lot of it had to do with the actors in yeah. this movie. I want, yeah, I want to talk about that where, where we're all on, while we're on the subject of influences, actually. There was uh, something I actually noticed from Big Trouble in Little China that he does. Um, there was that, how do I put it? A very a very tense scenario, Asian. followed by two people talking, and then a relatively innocuous comment that is actually played off like it's comedy. And it was always anybody got a cigarette? Oh. Like he kept like that happened a few times, and it always seemed to happen after like a really tense scenario. It was almost like less comedy as was like a breath of fresh air. Right, right, exactly. I, I, I want to say that actually is pulled straight from Rio Bravo. It, it 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 could I'm be. I'm almost positive, yeah. But I noticed that. that he does it even in Big Trouble in Little China. There, there'll be like a big fight scene and stuff like that, and then Jack Burton will be like, "So anybody, like blah yeah. blah 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 blah, like it's, <laughs> it's like the it's cap on the reflexes, yeah. it's the cap on the scene almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like it leaves it's you on weird, a high note a little bit. Like, oh, okay, we can all relax. Well, yeah, because I think it also lets the character let, break the tension of whatever scene. Like, yeah, it was definitely. an extremely intense scene. Cody, question. Yeah, what yeah, is your ahead. what is your favorite character in the film? I would have to say Lee. Okay, Laura Zimmer. Why? I love her character in this because, uh, number one, my favorite type of characters in movies um, is just the strong female character. If you look up my Netflix, that's in my queue, actually, all the time. Of like, strong it's a category. Yeah. No, yeah. it is. It is a category that yeah. is in my in my feed all the time. Um, I think she shows hints of feminism. Or femininity. Or strong femininity portrayed upon film. Yeah. She's always portrayed as an equal. She's, I, not, she's not someone that... That they don't respect. Exactly. They respect her immediately. And she's, she's tough she's as hell. And she's a badass. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's tough as hell. I believe this character was directly influenced from what was uh, oh oh no she plays yeah yeah her she's actually named after a character but i thought that the and that was the complete influence on this character was a, a woman who had like a fem like was very feminine but also a tough badass chick that like, right. could, could again, hold another her character own. from a western i really do love her character in this i love that the fact she gets fucking shot in the arm and just just stands there like a boss and she's yeah. just staring like you fucking shot yeah me. i kind of took you know what I, you know how i kind of took that scene though well, how'd you take it? Almost me? not she so much shock. that she, yeah, but that that was the trigger. Yeah, that was the breaking point of like, like yeah, uh, like she got shot and she was like, "Holy shit, I'm I'm this dead. is real, I'm dead, right?" And then, Wait, and then the guy dead? ran ran towards her and she's just like, "Oh shit!" And she snapped and back she into sprung it. the action. Like it was like there was this weird beat right when she gets shot, and then you realize she's not dead. And then all of a sudden, she just turns into a badass for the rest of the fucking film. And that's kind of a theme in Carpenter movies, too, where Carpenter does have strong females. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Bishop, though. I thought Bishop was a really likable character. A fantastic I character. Know, he, was, he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and honestly, the, the way that Bishop and Napoleon sort of team up, helping each other survive, I don't know why. Their, is, their, their dynamic together just felt so awesome. Like I get the zombie influence, but also if you're somewhat basing this off of Night of the Living Dead, it's also just a stark contrast in the fact that they didn't get along in the house. Like that was the monsters yeah, yeah, yeah. in Night of the Living Dead. And this one, it's the opposite where it's mm-hmm. like, no, I am going to listen, and yeah, we are we are in this together. Well, there's that there's that absolutely fantastic scene when when between Napoleon and Bishop. I I absolutely love this scene. It's when they first meet, and Napoleon pulls the same old got a smoke, 
And Bishop's response is, no, sorry. And like, it, you see it in Napoleon's face. He like, he like perks up. He's almost like, oh, no one's ever actually like addressed, been, me. addressed me and been nice about it. And he's like, if you find one, let me know. He's like, I definitely will. And he just looks, he has this look on his face like, I like this guy. I trust this fucking guy. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to be the bad guy here. I'm going to say that I, uh, Look, I thought that Bishop was a really weak performance. Why? I should, I should, I should say Austin Stoker was a really weak performance. Really? Yes. Why? As Bishop. Um, no, not necessarily as the character, as much as um, there was a lot of weird things that I kept catching up on that were really weird acting choices. Such like, as? He consistently laughs in very awkward moments, like when um, Wells is shot in the back of the head after he tries to, like, Hotwire that car. His reaction is to laugh. I have a no, but I have a, a reason re- for that. He he's like freaking out inside, yeah, he and he kind of re- loses it the, for it's a the second. Second time he does when it, he gets though. shot in the car, right? He it's gets- the second time. Yeah, it's the second time he does. It. I think the first time is when I think the body, maybe when the body goes missing. He's like ha ha ha, ha and he laughs. Yeah, because that's scary. Yeah, yeah, that's but a it, reaction to being it's terrified. A very weird panicky thing and it seemed like a very it seemed like a crutch in terms of acting the other thing I've noticed too is his use of his hands uh-huh. there's a few times where he like he flails his hands about as if he doesn't know what he's doing he's Ricky Bobby <laughs> yeah no no actually that's actually a pretty accurate description it, it's a common thing for theater actors to do and like they just like this is their first play like I don't know what to do with my hands so I guess I'm gonna use them to like elaborate the hmm. co- the, the conversation. That's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, I noticed I didn't notice that a lot. That, yeah. and it kind of bothered me. It almost seemed like maybe this what might have been his first role as a professional actor, or it might be his first role. I think he was doing TV commercials prior to this. I mean, that could be a thing. I he mean, was, that he might was have doing been a TV thing. commercials, and then the actor of Napoleon was John Carpenter's. Uh, Next door neighbor. He was fantastic, by the way. Love Napoleon, him. I thought was fantastic. Napoleon is not this. I was going to say is probably my least favorite. Really? He was my favorite character of the entire entire film. I agree. He he is he's he's probably my least favorite, which isn't saying much because all of the characters are fucking awesome. Um, but I, the thing I didn't like about I don't like his delivery. The thing I like about Napoleon is also the thing I don't like about him. The thing I like about him is that he is like the blueprint for like Snake Plissken and, and a couple other. Um, you know, kind of strong anti-heroes that pop up in John Carpenter's career. Mm-hmm. The thing I didn't like about him in this one is just that the character wasn't fully fleshed out enough, yeah. and John Carpenter had to work on that that persona to really flesh it out and give it his own kind of He was pretty simple. He was a pretty simple character. I think it was a trick that he was that he would like purposely not tell anybody how he got his name. No, that's just, a, no, he, no, that's a he's, common he's, John he's a, Carpenterism. He's he's well, no, I think just speaking from the char- from the character, I think I think he just he realizes that he has a lot of power in like the mystery of him as a criminal, mm-hmm. as the criminal mm-hmm. Napoleon. So like, why fucking give that shit away? I have a question, Kyle. Maybe you can answer it. So Napoleon says to um, Bishop after Starker dies, he says, "Ah, oh, I never got to tell him something that I wanted to tell him." What was that? I don't. I didn't catch. You didn't catch that? Oh, it's where did you get the name Napoleon? Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I I missed that. That was the question at the beginning. So, um, I loved I loved uh, that Julie was in this movie, or the the actor Nancy Keys, I think, or what mm-hmm. is it? Is that how you say it? Sorry. Sure. Um, because she's in Halloween. She, now that makes me happy that John Carpenter brings these people back to play other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this uh, this whole crew was like his fucking. His, most of this crew was his film crew, his film school crew. She had crew to go from Dark Star. You don't like her? No, she's just a hysterical one. Yeah. Hey, 
This is regular vanilla. I want a vanilla twist. Alright guys, we're back and we are talking about Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, I want to get into some of the technical aspects of it. Some sound, cinematography, writing, just a little bit of the music. It's not that important. Yeah, music's not very significant in a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> yeah, what did, what did he ever do with music? Can I tell you something? Was it So when I, I remember when I first saw this movie, right, and I heard this song... It was instantly became my favorite John Carpenter this theme, theme of all time. Doom, 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 doom. Just instantly, instantly. Was it like that for anybody else? Um, yes, I love it. Um, there was a point where I was like, "It's getting a little old now." Like I keep hearing. Yeah, it. can I just say something? Oh, I, I hated wrong. to say this about him a little bit, but I was kind of like three fucking chords. <laughs> no, I love. Don't get me chords. wrong. Don't, I do like it. Like yeah. I do like the yeah. theme, and it fits the film. And I, I would say. The whole score to this this film, every all the music is is great for it. Even though he only did like five tracks for this film, and they repeat. What I appreciate about it is his style comes through, and his style that is his his musical style is totally established in this. Now crap all over the cinematography, Chris. <laughs> no, who's gonna shit on the cinematography? All you. John Carpenter's movies are shot well. Yeah, who's? They are. John Carpenter. Oh, he's a copper. Carpenter. John Copperfield. You don't like John that magician? John Copperfield. Yeah. No, no uh, he's a magician with the camera. It's weird <laughs> because it, I thought the opening scene of this movie, uh, the camera work was a little like loose. His hand, hand his hand, yeah. it was handheld. It was, it was interesting. Which is a little loose for him, right? He's not usually. Yeah, I can't think. I mean, I mean, very he, definitely, he definitely uses yeah, a little bit. He definitely uses some handheld later on, but that's I'm sure but with the steady cam. This was, is this felt very. Yeah, you're in the gang with them. Yeah, I agree. So. You get that feeling in the very mm-hmm. and then and then he kind of goes into his standard. Yeah, after that, nice, nice static shot. But that, nice I think pans. But I, that's awesome because it sets up the different mood for each the the characters, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's more like loose, lawless with the gang. And then when you're with the cops, yeah, it's pretty absolutely not standard, but it's more toned down. Mike wants to uh, take a shit on this conversation. No, I was going to take a shit on it. I I, I, th- I think the cinematography is great, especially with what he was limited to. Like I, we already discussed it earlier when he uses the same shot over and over and over again. That like all those those thirty gang members like moving in on the precinct. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that shot was used a few times. If not used at different angles, or not reverse, like, where they're looking way. out the window and they see him kind of scattering around. Yeah, yeah, but that's done a few times where it's like, "Where are they at?" And then it's like, "No, all you see is that street." Then and then all of a sudden, "Oh, there they are!" And then all of a sudden, there's thirty of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But they do the same thing, like again, the, the cops. It's just a, re- it's just a reversal of the same frame. Yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, I like it's smart. I like stuff like that. I like the using cinematography in clever ways to give an impression versus necessarily doing something fancy mm-hmm. with all the money that you have. Well, he didn't have very much money because Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, because clearly. out of that out of that I I uh out of that $100,000 budget, I know they spent pretty much the bulk of it on the processing. They got the best processing possible for the film. Mm-hmm. 
And then for the sound, they got the best possible like sound design, well, he spent, editing, no, I all feel that stuff. Well spent. I no, I, I, I agree. Spent on that. two most important fucking yeah, things: the much. picture and the sound. That's one. That's one thing you could say about this film. It is goddamn crystal clear. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful for for the for budget they had for the budget they had and the time and everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. Is this so, the first time he shot on? Because didn't he continue to shoot on whatever camera that, that this he is used? A, for he used this? a Panavision. Yeah, Panavision, and he he like raves about how that it was like it's the best look with the wide it's got screen the best lens. cinematic aspect ratio he yeah. says but yeah no it, it looks great and yeah i think this is pretty much like his fucking go-to camera yeah and not saying much on this but i think the weakest thing that is maybe a technical aspect in this film might be the writing i had no problem with it no i think the first half is a solid solid half of the film but the second half of it just turns into an action scene the ending is weird it just ends it ends with them walking out yeah Together. i know but it, but it just it just ends there's no there's no finality as to whether or not the the gang was finally defeated and they were never no. terrorized the streets ever again. No, this was just one incident, could, one night. How could how could they though? I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like that would almost open up a can of worms for more film, or again, like probably budgetary constraints. No, it, it's just that at the beginning of the film, they make such a, a attempt to try to build this idea, this world of. You know, this is a gang, and they've been terrorizing people, and they stole a bunch of assault weapons, and they, and then all of a sudden it comes down to this one little precinct. It's almost like it, it, it starts broad, and then it really funnels in to a pinpoint, and then it just ends with just like, so we survive this. But that's that's kind of what know? that's what that's what I'm kind of saying with the first half versus the second half of the film, right? It does open up broad, and then it funnels quickly down mm. right into this. What like I think the second an half isolated of the fi- event. Well, but and I also think it's just the second half of the film. It's just a lot of it's a lot of action rather than character development. Like we we got to get out of here, but no one's really like. Did, was that a problem for you? Because I mean, not really, not really. In I the feel like of the I movie. got yeah, because I feel like I got I got to know all the characters just enough, and then I got to know little bits, uh, a little bit more about like. Napoleon's and Napoleon's and uh, Lee's like relationship and their kind of weird thing, their personalities t- together while the action was going on, like during the small breaks when when the the precinct wasn't being attacked. Like mm. you got little bits in there, but I felt like up at that point, I got to care enough about these characters did, did you, did to you, see them through it. Did you understand enough of the villains' motivations? I don't care. Really? Do you, do you not want to know why ugly Michael Bean wanted to kill little girls? Or I, why, no, no, I why Che Guevara no. decided to, to take his career <laughs> I'm to so glad, so glad you said California. You, you, you brought Che <laughs> yeah. up. No, Mike, we've had this conversation before. I, I, I think I, I think I've made it very clear that like when it comes to <clears throat> when it comes to to writing like um uh, a bad guy or mm-hmm. uh, some kind of some the the the, the enemy or something like the, I feel like I, I'm a big supporter of less is more. If I don't know why he's killing a kid, it makes it all the more fucked up. If I if if I had a if I, if he had like a if he had like some kind of purpose and reason, like yeah, you, you've you've humanized the character to a point where that I don't think he's as but, terrifying. Uh, yes and no. I I feel Mostly like it, no. I feel no no no. I feel like it totally <laughs> depends on the type of film. You don't want always on like this on this mo- type of film. You don't need that kind of exposition. Yeah, I agree. But, but, but do I agree. We, are you sure? Yeah. Positive. Like a hundred percent sure. I'm positive. I would not want to change. I feel like I feel like shooting a little girl does require just a bit. If if you're going to establish these people as human beings, not monsters, we're not, not creatures establishing from them as the human underworld. Beings. We're establishing them as monsters. They're That's monsters. They are the no, monsters. I agree. 
And yeah, but they're framed in the context that they're they are just human beings. They die with bullets. They just they're just people. They're monsters. They they, and not they only that, kill at random. And not only that, not only just monsters, but youthful monsters. They're a young yeah, gang. but the, but that's uh, they're but a bunch of teenagers. That's the scary thing, right? That they can look just like you. They can be just like you. But and they can walk right up to you and shoot you in the chest and not care, and not, not have care. to have a reason whatsoever. It just, it was and, it, and and it creates this it, it, it creates this bigger sense of dread that you got to kind of experience with the ice cream man that he's basically living in this fucking neighborhood that at any moment this gang could walk up and pop me and I'm done and, and you don't no know reason it, whatsoever and you don't know who it is and which plays into the thing I, 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 I want to say this even goes into vampires because I was going to talk about vampires as being this thing. I guess I guess what bothered me the most about it was that there were so many of them, without without an excuse. You oh, know I, what I mean? No, like, I love that part. With vampires, you can explain it is like, look, if you get bitten, you become a vampire. There's a hunger that guides you, and then you're just gonna fucking do horrible things, like maybe kill a little girl. But I don't know. <laughs> in this, it kind of felt like, what's the purpose of being in this gang? Why are they doing? This particular I love I love the fact that he doesn't explain it because here you are trying to figure it out and it's fucking sticking no, with you. No, 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 I I understand what he was trying to do and what he was trying to elicit in my emotions, and I I, I want to give him all the credit for actually succeeding in that in spades. But you hate him for it as well. No, no, no I'm just there was a part of it where I don't know that I would. How do I put this? I don't know that I would buy it in a modern day movie. Oh, it happened. They remade it. They didn't shoot a girl in the, in the remake. No, but I, I feel like they did a let, lot of. Hold things. on, hold on, hold on. Let me Less. bring this back into the the precinct here because I feel like sort of what he wanted you to do is, I mean, the monsters are outside, yes, but you also have technically have monsters inside as yeah. well. But I never felt like they were monsters. No. I never like was threatened by Napoleon. Really, I always yep. kind of liked him from the beginning. But I he's was not never, the monster. But. He is he because is. he's in prison for killing people. Hold on, though. Time out. That's where I'm saying the character development for me doesn't go far enough, right? Because we don't have any conflict inside. Everybody's on the same team. Right. So there's really, the threat is really just on what's on the outside. Uh-huh. So that's where I felt like it's a little bit weak. And that's me nitpicking. I'm just, that's nitpicking. I'm yeah. not saying that. At any means, I don't even think terrible. it's weak. I just, I, I mean, I don't think it's weak because they no, did, no, they no. did bring you into these characters' worlds and made you care about the people that were inside the precinct. And you know, there was those moments where people got tense. They wanted to throw, you know, they wanted to throw uh, Lawson. Lawson out, mm-hmm. they, and then the other yeah. prisoner pulls the gun on um, Lee, basically. You know, so but oh. they, but it never really felt that threatening, which was the thing. Like, I feel like maybe he could have developed it a little bit more there. But at the same time, I was excited that they were all banding together to like battle this like supposedly because they really didn't force. have time to really no. uh, honestly build more character because they've got this fucking gang attack. The first them. half is kind of a little bit of a social commentary and how like. Prisoners and 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 cops and gangs and all this stuff kind of treat each other. It's kind of do you get a little bit of commentary with that? You do with the warden and how he he, he treats the prisoners like animals almost. Yeah, I, I, but I feel like this is a common theme in in the anti-hero established character. The idea of like for instance, like from Dust Till Dawn, like the Gecko Brothers are fucking murderous assholes. Yes, but they're not as bad as vampires, <laughs> and because of that, they will team up with a preacher and they will kill those vampires. Yeah, exactly. Like, there is that. There is a common theme in in films where you you establish an asshole, but he 
he see he teams up with the good guys, realizing like this is a way bigger threat, and even I can't go that far. I think that's always that's always based on yeah, and I think that's always based on especially with Napoleon is that the asshole, the antihero, all he really cares about is like I want to live. That's it. I'm going to survive. So whoever yeah. I need to to align with to make it out of this. Fine, I, I will pretend to care about you for the next three hours until we're done with this. But I'm just living through this, and that that's but what he might anti-hero. also he might also want to fuck Lee, and he might also want to become friends at the end. Of I that. love that scene where um, Bishop tosses the shotgun to Napoleon oh. for the first time. Oh, I know. Yeah, and he just takes care of business. And then he looks back, and 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 uh, Bishop still got he's got his hand out like he's bracing, like he doesn't know what Napoleon's gonna do. Yeah, yeah. No, and, he's got his hand out because he threw it to him, and he's shocked at how he just grabbed the gun and blew away three dudes in, like... I thought of it more ooh. as a defense. I thought, I thought of more of a defense as well. He's like, yeah, no. Because they, they lock eyes, and they hold they hold for a minute. Because, like, Bishop's like, what the fuck are you going to do You've with that? You've got a gun, yeah. You've got a gun now, and I'm the cop. Like, <laughs> No, that's it, yeah, no, because that was an oh, fuck moment. That was like, I just threw it to the baddest dude I could throw it to. Now that I think about this, now that you're, you guys have brought it up, I guess this is the part that bothered me about the film, the thing that I wish it would have been established. So you got criminals outside trying to attack this precinct, and you got criminals inside that he just gave guns to. And then you have this scene where he blows off these guys' fucking heads off with his shotgun, and then he holds his hand out like, well, I don't know what you're going to do. I kind of wish there had been like maybe 10, 15 minutes that they had delved into this, where they had asked the question, you guys are criminals and these guys outside are criminals. Why not just say you want these cops inside? Fuck yeah, we got guns now. We will, we will, we will sacrifice these people. Why do they say in their mind? You know what? We're we're monsters, but not we're not those kind of monsters. Well, that's because because um, uh, the other the other prisoner knows of the gang and he knows of what they're capable of and the fact that they won't they won't care if the prisoner walks out and says have at it. Like they'll just still shoot the prisoner. Is that ever really like? Like solidified in the in the it's script. established by the the, Wells. the the by Wells. He says specifically, like this gang will never stop. Like you you don't make you don't make friends with them. You don't do anything. So like they know them. who these guys. They are. fucking yeah, know the who cholas, they are, right? The cholas. Mm-hmm. But also, the cholas? they were being attacked so viciously by gunfire that you're not really gonna be like, I'll just we'll just throw the cops out. That'll fix it all. I mean, obviously, the people outside don't give a fuck who's I'm inside. I'm just wondering why criminals wouldn't wouldn't take why why is it the other girl that says we should just throw this guy out why wouldn't it be the criminal that said because because i'm a coward like yeah that's why i'm in fucking jail just throw this because he wasn't maybe i can make a deal that was one thing that was established he say at the very end he's like well how come you didn't run for it and he said he says two things you don't leave you don't leave a man behind who can't run with you and And the other one is actually pussy yeah basically So it, it it they've established they they established that even though even though Napoleon is a is a criminal and a murderer he also he also has like a code he definitely has a code I'm a so love, that's why he, and that's why we never would have done why it. you love the character and, and that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't want them to kind of dive into this kind of this kind of thought that you had because it's like I already know it I already know why he's not doing it you can tell by his actions and his personality. What did you guys think of the uh, Wells' whole uh, speech about having bad luck? Dude, he's awesome. How, but I mean, like that was did, pretty fucking. How did you attribute that? Like he's like, I, that's how I got into jail because I have bad luck. I'm not doing rock paper scissors or flipping a coin because I have bad luck. So we're gonna do this potato game, which I had never seen. I, I did not understand that. Game. <laughs> I, I didn't did not either. understand how that worked. And uh, and you know, then he ends up going out, you know, and getting killed. 
and do you like what do you think John Carpenter was trying to say about his character and just having bad luck? Nothing. He, he just ca- wanted, I, nothing. Honestly, no. I think his character. Yep his can his character was there as cannon fodder because if anyone was going to be against maybe. And, and wanting to throw the cops out and be, turn turn on somebody and turn on and be yeah. like one of the I'm one of them yeah. would be him. We, we, yeah, yeah. Plus he plus yeah. he's also really good in establishing the fact that the cop like it, it just re re solidifies the fact that there's no way out. Like yeah, he's like he's booking it down this fucking road and he fucking gets stuck and gets shot basically. And it's like so no everywhere. matter what you like can't ants. fucking get away from if, these if, guys. If anything. His interaction with Napoleon is the only time that we actually establish, like, where their allegiances lie. Because he says, like, what's stopping you? Like, you're going to call the fucking cops before you go over the goddamn border, right? Yeah. He's like, why would I do that? And, like, there was, like, you're probably going to do it because you're not a monster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had bad luck all my life. Now, how do you think I ended up in here? Maybe it'll change. It might. If we don't flip a coin, let's do something else. What? Potatoes. Okay. One day, two day, three day, four, five day, six day, seven day, more. Eight day, nine day, ten day, eleven. Kiss my ass and go to heaven. Why oh you spell you? I told you I'd lose. God damn it, we're gonna do it again. Hey. Alright, Kyle, let's do it. What do you wanna rate this mammer jammer? Uh, I think we're gonna do bowls of blood. Bowls of blood. Yes. Yes. Bowls, Bowls of blood. Of that's blood. What, that's how we started this podcast. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. We, yeah. we oh. actually blood oath. <laughs> yeah. Cut ourselves. And now and, I'm stuck in it. And what we wrote else? I wrote it on a sheet. I wrote on a sheet from my bedroom in, in our blood you podcast. Got a, you got a bloody sheet hanging up in your bedroom? Yeah. yeah. It, smells, it, it smells pretty bad in there yeah. too. <laughs> oh my it's a very very uh what is it? What irony. <laughs> irony? It's very iron. Metallic. It's very metallic. Irony. Irony, you know, it smells that's, like that. That's what we're rating. What's full irony? Uh, bowls of irony. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you call it. Bowls of irony. <laughs> All right, let's start with Mike first. I am going to give this four bowls of blood as a uh, fundamental introduction to John Carpenter films. I think it's a fantastic one. Um, it deals with a lot of the stuff that he deals with in a lot of other films. Um, overwhelming conflict uh, uh, characterization and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there were some parts in the plot that I had a, a little bit to deal with. I just, I guess why I'm not giving it a five. You know, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually strange that I actually... I like this film more than I like... Don't say Ghost to Mars. N- yeah, no, <laughs> never, never. But uh, definitely, definitely this is a surprise film of mine that, I mean, I guess I would give the thing a five if we ever... Well, we're definitely going to do the thing. So yeah. don't give that rating. I don't want to give that rating away, but I mean, like, obviously, that's one of his most popular films. It's a surprise film that I like this film so much. Mm. If that's strange to say that because it's his first film, but um, well, first big budget. I mean, I gave I gave Big Trouble in Little China five. So yeah. I mean, rightfully so. Rightfully right? No, so. definitely rightfully so. But I guess I guess this one is a little. Yeah, it's it's definitely a four. I think it's a fantastic film, and if anybody is interested in trying to introduce themselves if you're not familiar with John Carpenter, I would start with this one. It's a great place to start. I'll go next. Let me tell you why it's four. Because I agree with you. Okay. Uh, it's a four because it's not a complete idea yet, right? You named other films off that Carpenter's done that, that, that definitely inspired this film that are are are, are better films. Um than than this and that's okay this is like his second 
this is his second film, his first bigger budget film for him, you know, at the time. It's first studio film. Yeah, exactly. It's his biggest budget film that he fucking they knows. They may, yeah, yeah. Kind of. At the time. And, uh, you know, he kills it for pretty much the first time out of the park. Like, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, is it a five film? No, no, it's not. Uh, there are some weak points to it, but it's like, that's fucking nitpicking, dude. This movie's fun. That's what I think it captures in John Carpenter is his fun side. Even with his violence and stuff like that, there's the characters are are, are somewhat fun and admirable mm-hmm. because of their moral code. So I think, um, you know, you do see hints of that in his later films. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is a good introduction to uh, John Carpenter. I would disagree with that. Just in the fact that I think you start him off with something that's like the thing with the John Carpenter. Ones. Yeah, you start with the big one. You start with a big one, and, and then, then you, you show him so- down. You show him something like this afterwards, so that they can kind of respect where he came from. For for me, Chris, I agree. I would not start on this film if you're interested in uh, John Carpenter films. I would go with something more like a Halloween or a th- the thing or Big Trouble in Little China, even. Yeah, um, but. Once you get into his world, you can totally appreciate Assault on Precinct 13. Um, it's it's really great beginning for a great director. And yeah, at the time when it came out, I'm sure this movie was just awesome to see on the big screen. Um, it doesn't have... It's not completely perfect um but uh but overall the story moves along really fast i really liked all the characters in the film um i didn't need to know who the monsters were i think we got enough of that in the beginning um and then they were just ruthless killers that these guys you know these people in this building had to battle themselves against um and i love the dynamic between the prisoners and and basically the police um the way he put all that together was awesome um i would definitely recommend watching this film I'm going to give it a three and a half because I gave they live a three and a half and I don't like it better than they live, but I also don't like it worse. I think it's, it's for me personally, like they're right neck and neck. So three and a half for assault on precinct 13 bulls of blood. All right. Last but not least, Kyle, how many bulls of blood? Um, I'm going to give it four bulls of blood. Um, I mean, there's you and all of you have actually, said plenty i don't know what else i could say but yeah I, I think it's i think it's fantastic to look at um i think it's inspiring honestly to see a, a young filmmaker who finally gets his chance to to do the studio film um based on a script that he wrote in i don't know a week two weeks i think it was pretty fast he kicked this thing out and he was going into production i would probably disagree as well in terms of this being I would agree and disagree in terms of telling somebody to watch this first. I would agree in the fact that he establishes so many characters and shots and mood and all the stuff that you'll you'll get to kind of see as you progress through his career, constantly popping up in his films. But at the same time, it's not as um, it's probably not as approachable as say a thing or as um, as uh, maybe they live or Big Trouble in Little China is. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great film and soundtrack is wonderful and I got nothing else to say, but yeah. Yeah. It's, Four. No, it's no invisible man. The memoir. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the memoir. Yeah. It's no star, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there you guys have it. That's our show for this week. Do me a favor. When you download this show, don't anymore. Just subscribe and you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to bother with you all that drama. 
It just automatically. Like, should I listen to the show? Should I not listen to the show? It right automatically there? downloads on Thursday. You can go, yeah, I want to listen to that one. Or, no, save it for later. You don't even have to download it. So just go ahead and subscribe. Also, check us out on our social media. You can check us out on Instagram at Colt Film underscore review. You can also follow us at that on Twitter. That didn't make sense, but you can follow us at Colt Film underscore review on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow Kyle at. You can follow me, Colt Film underscore Kyle, on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow Chris at. Colt Film underscore Chris on Instagram. And you can follow Mike at. At Mike Salustio on Twitter. And you can follow me at Cold Film Cody on Instagram. You can also follow me on VHS Collect on Instagram. Doing some stuff on there. All right, guys. Just remember, if we're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. Did you say our website? No, he did not. Definitely not.